repeat after me. I hear a lot of preachers do this, and I feel like it's effective, so I'm going to try it, okay? <laughs> Let's say it together. Let my heart be good soil for your word to take root and grow. Amen. Amen. So today I want to title this message, Good Soil. What I love is like, you know, I, I love listening to my husband speak. And I probably honestly would rather have that every week. But God has really like stirred something in me about about preaching the word and I'm like okay I'm I'm learning to love it like I think that I really like this and something that I'm so grateful for is that I I constantly am telling David this like he's probably like okay okay I'm like I just like I can't just prepare a message like you I can't just run into a room for five hours straight and just seek the Lord on my face like I have two babies that wouldn't allow me to do that so I'm like Lord you have to just like show up to me like as soon as I have moments that are free I need you to speak to me and this week that happened I was laying on my bed with my daughter because I was just like my my son was taking a nap I just nursed him she's like kind of jumping all over my bed and I was like I need to Lord I need you to give me this message and it was so quick. Like, his grace is so good because he just gave me, boom, 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 the points. And so today, we're talking about good soil. So how do you distinguish good soil from bad? So you throw some seeds on it, right? You throw something in it and see if it grows. Then you know if it's good. How many times have you heard someone say or you say, I come to church because, what, I want to grow? spiritually right that's what we all say and that's I think what people more than just it's you feel good it's a good thing to do like oh I went to church today like you want to grow spiritually genuinely we all desire that so how do we measure that growth in our life um, how do we cultivate healthy soil that gives God's purposes room to grow so I'm we're gonna start in Mark chapter 4, if you guys have your Bibles, we're, and we're going to read it in a second. So when I'm thinking about this idea of growing, growing up, I'm just like totally in awe of my, my daughter, Everly, and I don't know if she's in the nursery or in here, wiggling around, just running around. I, so she's a year and a half, and it's so fun. Like, this is the most fun stage because Finally, everything's starting to click, and you're realizing it because she's repeating everything back to you. And she's, like, making connections. She was watching this show that she loves, and it had a little potty, and she's looking at me, potty, potty. And, like, she's just, like, like all these light bulbs are going off. Like, for a whole year and a half, it's been, like, she's just been absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. And then now it's, like, rapid, rapid, like, development, and you're starting to see, like, all this stuff, right? She's just words spitting out words here and there. And when you think about that, okay, like how rapidly she's growing. And if you're a parent, you know, like when I'm like, oh my gosh, it's slipping through my fingers. Like I can't even like take a breath and she's like getting so big. But let's say we were five years down the road and she was still the same 
size as she is now, still saying the, the same 50 words, we would probably be a little concerned, right? Like, I would then have to take her in and be like, hey, what's the deal? Like, this isn't normal. This isn't normal that she's not growing. Our spiritual self is the same. So we should be concerned if we aren't growing up in the spirit. We should be, that should be a concern for us. You guys, we've all heard the term baby Christians, right? Like, oh, like when we first get saved, well, we're a baby Christian. And that's awesome. Like, you can't be a giant right away. But how many of you know if you're five years in and you're still a baby in your faith, you, like there should be concern. So how do we cultivate the soil so that doesn't happen? How do we grow up in the things of God? So I, I firmly believe God is bringing us back to this foundational principle as a church body because this core of believers, this core group right here, needs to be strengthened and equipped for the more of the Lord that's coming, for revival that's coming. There's a reason that this core is here and it is full. This, church, this building right now is full of people who are so strong in the faith, and there's a reason, and we need to continue to grow up. So, in order to grow good things, good soil, right? So let's go to Mark 4, 1 through 9. I was reading through Mark recently, and I love this parable, and it's really, I really felt God on it, and I was like, okay, this is what we're talking about. So let's start, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farm went out, farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds ate, come and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. Say good soil. Good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So all the seed, we look at this parable, all the seed started in the farmer's hand. It all had the same potential. But as it was scattered, there was four different results that were yielded. So really quick. So first one, fell on the road, eaten, devoured by birds, boom, gone, so quick. Number two, fell on rocky, shallow soil. So there was some in there. So it sprang up, but it had no depth. So it seemed promising, but once the sun came up, the plant was scorched and it withered away. It withered away just as quickly as it sprouted up, too. Number three, it fell among thorns or weeds. So the weeds grew up and choked it, and it never yielded any grain. And then the fourth, the fourth is what we want to be. <laughs> fell on good soil, it produced grain, increasing, multiplying. Um, I was talking to my husband about this, and he gave me the example of, like, the oak tree and a mushroom. 
or a dandelion I think of because those are so annoying in the yard. Literally, like you blink and there's one. After you mow, those dandelions just pop up. I'm like, how overnight did you fully bloom? But all you do is mow over it, it's gone. You got an oak tree, on the other hand. An oak tree, I, I looked it up, it takes about 75 years to mature. That's like a li our lifetime. That's how long an oak tree takes to fully bloom or grow to its fullest height. But guess what? Nothing's going to take it out. <laughs> it, once its roots have gone down, and it, I've actually read that they spread. Once they go down under, they spread this way. Even anything in the roots path, it's, it's destroyed. So I want us to think of that illustration as we, as we keep going. So we're still in Mark chapter 4. When Jesus explains this story, his disciples are like, okay, like, tell us what that meant because we're not totally sure. So Mark 4.13 says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Say the word. The word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others on the... on. Lost my place, sorry. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Hmm. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Now, I want you guys to listen to it in the message translation. We're going to do that same little part. But, dude, okay, side note, if you guys want to go home this week and study this parable, it's in Mark 4, Matthew, what is it, 13, and Luke 8. If you want to write those down. Just study them side by side and it's like another layer pulled pulled off of it where you can see like oh my goodness like God's just revealing so much about how to let his word be planted in us so let's read it in the message translation same part mark 4 13 through 20 I think yeah we have it the farmer plants the word some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road no sooner do they hear the word that Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. And some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character <laughs> that when the motions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. But the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, 
and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Yes, that is who we want to be. You know the one that I relate to that kind of like uh, convicts me a little bit is the one about receiving it with joy immediately? You know, at first you hear the word. How many of you have received a word from someone? Like, I got a word for you. Oh, yes, bring it on. Like, yes, tell me what is God saying to me? And you receive it with enthusiasm and joy. But you know what I've been guilty of doing? I'm like, amen. And I go about my life. And I never go back. And I never actually let Jesus water the word that I was given. I never seek him. I never meditate on his word. And so guess what? The second something difficult comes up, oh my gosh, that just must have never been God. Like that never happened in my life. Lord, this promise you gave me, nothing came of it. And I feel like that's for some people here today too. You have some words you feel like God's given to you, even through several people and the word and this and that and a song. (laughs) And you're like, Lord, that wasn't you. It must have not been you because nothing happened. But he's like, hey, I need you to water it. I need to actually like, and we're going to talk about, what do you mean water it? Like, how do you do that? So what characterizes those who experience growth? So we know it's not worry. If we, like the worry, the desire for riches, the desire for stuff that's going to choke whatever falls, right, on the, on the soil. So what characterizes the growth? I love what Jesus says. Um, we're going to skip down um, just to Luke 8.15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with what? Patience. Those with good soil listen and understand. So they're teachable. Are we teachable by the Holy Spirit? Those with good soil are those who hear it and actually accept it humbly. It's one thing to hear the word, but do we accept it for ourselves? I'm not talking, because I've done this. You hear a whole sermon and you're thinking of your spouse, or you're thinking, (laughs) no, babe, you're great. You're thinking of, you know, oh my goodness, this is for this person. This word, they need to hear it. I need to give them a copy, and the Lord's like, okay, that's funny. I actually was trying to talk to you, but you don't want to accept it, that it's for you. (laughs) We need to have humility in our hearts to accept the seed that is planted. So, This is what the Lord's desire is for the church, to cultivate that soil for his word to take root. Why? To bear good fruit, to bear good fruit in our lives. I have, so these are the three things I felt like the Lord gave me so, just so quickly and so clearly. Three keys to cultivate healthy soil that aids our growth. So if you guys are writing things down, it just, for me, it helps me remember, even if it's just a, jotting it down in your phone. Three things. Growth means gratitude. Growth means crushing. And growth means going. 
So let's, let, I'm going to break those down real quick. So growth means gratitude. About a week and a half ago, I was laying in bed and I was almost asleep and I felt God tell me, because he speaks to us super well when we're like so asleep that we're not thinking of anything else. <laughs> and he's like, Thanksgiving is the way forward. Thankfulness is the way forward. Thanksgiving is the way forward. It was in my mind. like, And I'm like, okay, that's not me. That's God. Because I was like way thinking about something else. I like often dreamland. And he said, Thanksgiving is the way forward. As I give thanks to him, he is magnified, right? What does that mean, magnified? That means he is made bigger. He is made bigger than anything else that I see that's in my line of sight. Let's do Psalms um, 69.30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will what? Magnify him with thanksgiving. So when I give him thanks, he becomes bigger. When he becomes bigger in my line of sight, I grow, right? Thankfulness gives anxiety and fear zero room to take root because it says that I have already have everything I need in Christ. Let's hear that again. Thankfulness gives anxiety and fear zero room to take root because it says, I have already have all I need in Christ. Choosing gratitude prevents the weeds from coming up and doing what? Choking the word. I love all the kids. No worries. You guys are fine. Growth means crushing. I felt like this one was like, okay, God, like, huh? Like, I don't know if I want to say this one. But he's like, yes, you do. You need to say it. Growth means crushing. Are you teachable and moldable in his hands like we talked about? So some people, me included, sometimes we won't grow if we don't want to be pressed. Because it's uncomfortable, right? But how many of you know grapes, like if you're making wine, what do you have to do? Or grape juice, whatever. I'm just saying wine because don't get all weird. It's in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Grapes. What do they have to what do you have to do to them to make wine? You crush them. You can't drink whole grapes. God wants us to be his his wine, right? The sweet wine that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we become wine? We have to be crushed. We have to be pressed. He refines us, right? This isn't in an unloving way. Like, he refines us in the fire. You know what I mean? 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Let's read that. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Like, don't be surprised. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Okay, now look at the message. It gives a really beautiful perspective. Same one, 1 Peter 4.12. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad. Say glad. <laughs> that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. 
This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. When we are pressed, when we are crushed by his hand, when he's refining the things in us that need to be refined, we sprout up and we grow, and we're growing roots the other way too. James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. His word, he has planted it. That is the seed. Receive it. Don't reject it. Don't toss it out of the soil. Receive it. Let it take root. With meekness, meaning submission. Humbly accept it. When we allow him to refine us, we grow. And the last, the last point of, of, those, of those three, growth means going. When we are going, we are growing. James 1.22 says, but be, what? Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. That last part, like it doesn't just say be doers and not hearers, period. Deceiving yourselves, meaning if you think that you can hear the word and not do anything with it, you're deceived. Because <laughs> nothing is going to come of it. No fruit is going to grow. No, nothing will come. And it's going to be like the, the seed that we talked about in the parable. Like it just sprouts up, but it dies just as quickly as it sprouted. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't deceive yourself. What are we doing with the word that we're given? He gives us grace for the going. So we're saying growth means going. He gives us grace for the going out, to take the word and to run with it. Do what his word has said. In his word, so we're, we have that mental picture that his word is that seed. In, that, in the word itself, there's grace for you to do it. We read the word and it can feel overwhelming. Like, how do I do that? Lord, I know this is a shortcoming of mine. How do I even like conquer? It's like in the word itself, when we receive it, we are receiving his grace to accomplish it. It's not in our own strength. We're going to close today in Psalms 1. So you can turn there with me. Psalms 119.11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart. I know we're not not turned there, but I have that written down. And I wanted to say that because we all know that scripture. Like, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sit against you. So that we, we can look at that in this illustration. Like, I've hidden you in my heart. Meaning, we don't just have, it's not just on the surface of the soil. We take his word and we bury it deep so it, can, so it can grow deep roots. Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaves don't wither like the the grain that popped up and it withered as soon as the sun scorched it. But this tree is planted by streams of water. I feel like God gave me this picture when I was like trying to wrap it up. I'm like, Lord, okay, help me like really get this within my heart. And after I read this, it clicked, like it just solidified. Jesus is that water. Planted. So we're the tree, right? He is like a tree. So we're the tree. God's word is the seed that grew up in us, right? And what's the water? Jesus. Jesus is the living water. He is the spring welling up to eternal life. This changes everything. Like this changes the way that we see it because, okay, like, how do I be good soil like Jesus was talking about? Plant yourself by the water, which is Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. And he will water the word in you to become a tree. And I was thinking about this idea of a tree. And I'm like, okay, when soil is good, like let's say you got a plot of soil. And you look at it, and it's just a plot of dirt, right? Like, you just look at it. You don't really know if it's good or bad. You're just like, oh, cool, dirt. But once there's a tree on it, like let's say an apple tree, once there's a tree with big fruit hanging off of it, you don't pass by that plot of dirt and go, oh, look at the dirt. You don't even notice the dirt anymore. You notice the tree. (laughs) You notice the fruit hanging off of it. And that's what God wants to do is develop his word in you so that way people walk by your tree and the fruit is so ripe they can just pluck right off of it and they can what taste and see that God is good from my life that is what he wants his desire is to for us to be that beautiful tree not for I mean, for blessing for us, yeah, we want to be a beautiful tree. But for other people to see, wow, oh, my goodness, look at this fruit. Taste it. Oh, my goodness. This is the goodness of God. That's the purpose in it. So when we have the word, when we, like, even today, let's hear the word and let's say, Holy Spirit, let it be hidden in my heart. Let it, let the roots go deep. Let your spirit, the spirit of Jesus, water the soil of my heart. Be rooted by streams of living water. This is how we grow. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for your word You are so faithful to speak to your church. You're not hiding yourself from us. You're not making it difficult. (laughs) You're making it plain and clear and simple. Your love for us, your desire to speak, because the very voice of God, it still has power. Ever since you spoke at the beginning of time, 
your word is still creating. Your word is still growing things. So, Lord, we take the soil of our heart and we ask that you cultivate that soil, water the soil, so your word can grow into a tree. So your word can grow into fruit. That my life would not be fruitless. (laughs) That my life would bear things that people see. That is evidence that God is real. That is evidence that God is good.